Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Hello, I'm Virginia Heffernan, and welcome to This is Critical. This is Critical is the show where we question all of your cultural assumptions, like that the best social network is one of the ones you've heard of, when it's really, let's face it, it's really be real. The deeply banal social network you do with your, quote, real friends. That means I have three, yes, three, boring, regular, workaday people who follow me on Be Real. And we get to communicate with a boring selfie once a day, and that's it. So join Be Real, which doesn't currently sponsor this show, and friend me, but only if you're one of my, quote, real friends. Today, we're joined by Ruth Ben-Ghiat, a professor of history and Italian studies at NYU. Ruth is the author of Strong Men, Mussolini to the Present, all about those manly, roid-raging, authoritarian leaders who've turned our world upside down over the past century. She writes incisively about everyone, from Silvio Berlusconi, the famously corrupt and sexually predatory former Italian prime minister, to the disgraced one-time game show host Donald Trump, and of course, Vladimir Putin, who's losing wars against both Ukraine and his own aging complexion. Ruth, it's so good to talk to you again. Welcome to This is Critical. Thank you. Glad to be here. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you just to define strongman rule. Maybe you can just lay it out for us because it seems more germane than ever. Yeah, unfortunately, it is more germane than ever. So I personally, my definition I work with in my book and elsewhere is that these are a subset of authoritarians. And authoritarians are people who rule, they can rule in democracies occasionally, like Berlusconi and Trump. But the executive branch exerts a lot of power over the other branches of government. And then, you know, the more democracy erodes, the more your freedoms go away, the press, prosecutors, and then you get to people like Orban and and then on to, you know, Erdogan, where you're jailing 100,000 people. That's the leaders of Hungary and Turkey. Yeah. But the strong men I identify as somebody who uses masculinity as a tool of political legitimacy. So all of them use, uh, I identify these tools of propaganda, violence, the myth of national greatness and corruption. But the strong men also use hypermasculinity or virility to keep themselves in power. And it's just a flex. I guess some of them maybe are trying to pull off stunts, but 
all we saw of Trump's great strength was people like Anthony Scaramucci saying he could throw a spiral through a tire or whatever. But we never really saw physical strength. And it's been a long time since Putin was on horseback, shirtless, right? Although we're told he's good at jujitsu or something. Well, it's also by proxy because they, for example, when Trump uh, was a candidate, and this was one of your first signs that he wasn't going to be a Democrat with a small d, when he said, I could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone and I wouldn't lose any followers, he was telling Americans that he was capable of violence. So that's one little checkbox of machismo. And, this, and that's what Duterte uh, did. He was running for president of Philippines, but he said, don't vote for me because it's going to be bloody if I win. So they promise violence. The more there's unrest in society, the more they do these kind of flexes showing that they have control of violent people. So the day in 2019, there were mass protests in Moscow. Putin had himself photographed with a biker gang wearing a black leather jacket on a motorcycle. So we can laugh at these things, but they are deadly serious because they're telling you that they are violent and that they're going to be violent with any enemies of the state. Yeah, and it it leads to the war in Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine. Okay, so we have these kind of violent flexes. And at the same time, with these strongmen, right, you see this panic about threats to masculinity and straightness. Um, You probably saw that Putin has mentioned something he calls gender freedoms as part of a complex of elitist Western (laughs) excesses. Actually, I'm just going to pull up the clip of Putin. So this is from The Mirror, this video clip. And the translation of Putin is, I do not at all judge those who have a villa in Miami or on the French Riviera who can't do without foie gras, oysters, or the so-called gender freedoms. But I mean, of course, he is... He's definitely judging them. He's railing against westernized elites and saying, um, also, such people are ready to sell their own mother if only they were allowed to sit in the hallway of this very highest caste. Everybody seems to be once again convulsed in panic around masculinity. So talk to us about what's going on. These themes with Putin are very old. He's been making speeches about Russia as the defender of traditional values and models of life against moral and sexual degeneration. And the longer strongmen are in power, the more radicalized and repressive they become. So he's passed from rhetoric to actually having a whole slew of laws against same-sex marriage, against what is called gay propaganda. And now, of course, with the war, he's got a concrete enemy, which is Ukraine, the cradle of all that is subversive and degenerate. And so we have to annihilate it. And foie gras and oysters, I assume, is a gesture at kind of europhilia or something, which maybe he sees in Ukraine and somehow has a feminizing influence, or is all this just spontaneous and kind of gibberish. It's partly gibberish. It's partly uh, europhobia, which he's really, really playing up right now. Um, It's also what I call faux populism. All of these themes are consistent with strongman history, and it's particularly 
egregious with Putin, but they all have this, what I call the faux populism, where they set themselves as the man of the people against the elites, when in fact, they're the ones who are stealing from their people and funneling into, you know, offshore accounts all over the world. So Putin is playing into all of these things. And he's also set himself up from very early on as the hyper-masculine hero, where the use of the body by these strong men is very important. And he is the person since Mussolini who most stripped his shirt off to physically embody the defender of Russia. In 2020, I wrote a piece for The New Yorker about what happens when the strong man falls ill. It's very dangerous for people like Putin to seem to lose their powers. They know how invested the public is in their physical virility. So they do things that are very cosmetic. Berlusconi, who is Putin's great friend, was the most open. And he would actually say, oh, I had plastic surgery. He, he said, oh, I went to Switzerland and I had a, quote, California lifting so that I could remain beautiful for you, my ladies, and for the whole nation. So he had a very particular transparent strategy. But Many people have thought that as Putin's gotten older, he's made recourse to fillers or other things. But it was so interesting because on May 9th for the Victory Day parade, his puffiness and his stiffness, the whole thing reminded me of like late communist spectacle, hmm. where as these men age and they become prisoners of their own image and they become like statues. And the same in other cultures, like the longer Gaddafi and Mobutu were in power and they were there for decades, the more um, theatrical they became. So the artifice uh, of their power became much more pronounced as they got older and they feared perhaps secretly that they could lose their power. Wow. Wow. I mean, right. Even if you have the biggest fortune in the world, you've got a nuclear arsenal, you're Vladimir Putin, your body's going to still break at some point. And some idea of just simply physical humiliation seems to be very much on the strongman's mind. It is, and it's a huge danger for them because the thing about strongman rule is, or any kind of uh, autocratic rule, is that the personality cults only work if they are invincible and omnipotent, mm. and not only over the people, between quotes, but especially over elites, because they arrange things, they game the system so nobody else can emerge. And so the perception of their power, if there's any perception that power is waning or that they are becoming feeble or weak, that can be uh, the beginning of the end for them. Yeah, but then must have this like just percolating terror of, they do. Yeah, the truth that no one's invincible. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're talking about Tucker Carlson's End of Men trailer. It's part of his Tucker Carlson's Originals series. Ruth Van Giat, author of Strong Men, will weigh in about this truly dumbfounding mix of homoeroticism and anxiety about the decline of men. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because <laughs> the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. 
Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. with Ruth Ben-Ghiat, a historian at NYU and the author of Strongmen. So this fixation on masculinity, Ruth, it's not just limited to these authoritarian leaders. It's driven by larger cultural forces, a wider anxiety about manliness, the feminization of society. I gotta say, I'm thinking specifically about Tucker Carlson. You probably saw this weird trailer, weird doesn't capture it, for the end of men. How does the panic expressed in this trailer differ from what else we've seen in the 20th and 21st centuries? Or do you see Tucker Carlson hyper-masculinity as a continuation of those things? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe my eyes, although I very much believed it, because one of the biggest continuities for when a society is susceptible to a strongman is when there's been a lot of change in society, it could be workers' rights, it could be racial equity, but it's also always gender equity or gender emancipation. And this is around the world. So in Euro-American context, it's white males mostly, mm-hmm. but it also happened in, you know, in Mobutu's Congo. It's, it's always a reaction against female emancipation. Mm-hmm. And we go back to the toxic triad of kind of policing sexuality because the biggest continuity is homophobia. Hmm. Even a leader like Gaddafi, who in Libya, the dictator who at the beginning actually gave women a lot of rights, was highly homophobic and sent gay people to jail. So it's policing sexuality, policing women, and propping up masculinity. So this was very much uh, the case when Trump came in. And there was, it was, in, in our case, very twinned with race, that Barack Obama was an existential threat as a black man who took white men's power away. So Tucker Carlson, who, as we know, he's a charismatic demagogue. He truly is. It's not surprising that the more he's trying to inch America very resolutely toward authoritarianism, the more he's manufacturing a panic about masculinity. And it's also, just as he he peddles white replacement theory for racists, he twins it now, it's the end of men. So it's the end of whites, but it's also the end of men. And he's very good at it, which is extremely scary for our democracy. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, I guess we got to hear some of the trailer for Tucker Carlson's The End of Men. There's been a 50% decline in sperm counts in... Uh, the last 40 years. By the way, this is part of the full trailer. There's a shorter excerpt that was circulated online. Just so you know, I'm seeing images of like CGI sperm. Um, There's a hairy chest with kind of pronounced breast tissue. I mean, I guess some of this is supposed to scare us. Then the tone shifts abruptly. And there's a montage of men doing manly things, many of them without shirts. 
Uh, the pinnacle of this is that there's a fully naked man standing in front of a testicle tanning machine. Yes, you heard that right. Once the society collapses then, you're in hard times. Well, hard iron sharpens iron, as they say. And those hard times inevitably produce men who are tough, men who are resourceful, men who are strong enough to survive. I watched it with the sound off, which I often do because I wrote a book on fascist film propaganda. So my eye goes to certain patterns. And what I saw with the sound off was immediately men who were recapturing their violent potential. Like they were, you know, doing things with axes or whatever. He had them doing very physical things. And in fascist culture, there was this kind of theme of men returning to their true nature, like the hunter-gatherer killer thing. Right. So this is just the trailer. So I guess we don't know entirely what's coming up, but it really stands out as iconography. There's this vision of recovering your masculine essence and with that essence, violence. And it's all about context because indeed we know men are in trouble. There's suicide rates are up. Um, opioid and other addiction is up. Mm -hmm. And this was the population that Trump, and it wasn't Tucker Carlson, it was Trump who identified them with his marketer's eye as a savvy audience of men he could elevate and they could identify with him as successful and he would rescue them. And so they became the forgotten. So he just reached out to this group. So these are men who are hurting is the problem, the huge dangerous problem is that the the solution that these people on the right are proposing is not more social services for them, not actual like mental health help or anything like that. It's to become more lawless. And I wrote an article for The Atlantic called Welcome to the Age of Lawless Masculinity, very much linked to January 6th and Paul Gosar, you know, thinking it's okay and being rewarded, in fact, for tweeting out a snuff film, you know, against a a congresswoman, AOC. All of this kind of anger and violence, rhetorical violence toward women is part of the solution that these people seem to be peddling to the crisis of masculinity. And we know how dangerous that is. Yeah, that's that. Yes, that is really interesting. Um, But one of the things the satirists on Twitter, at least, drew out of, and maybe you saw this, they sort of drew out of the End of Men trailer, is that it was very porny. I mean, it kind of looked like gay porn. And I remember someone uh, tweeted, you know, something like, gay me with my gay husband in our gay life with our gay careers. We could never have imagined something as gay as this. And so... Basically, the video might not have the intended effect, the one that Tucker Carlson seems to want. Yeah, that that is true. Um, and in fact, that would happen with um, fascist and Nazi propaganda. However, Tucker Carlson is too smart. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. He wanted to entrance men. That scene at the beginning with the, I guess, naked incredibly Adonis-looking figure with the machine glowing that took your eye to his groin. Yes, that's very, it's very homoerotic. Yeah. But I can't imagine he didn't know that. And I think he wants to incite men. He wants to engage men 
Um, and there is a current, it was very lively in fascism, both Italy and Germany, of male bonding that's homosocial, but could easily go over to the homoerotic. Mm. That's also part of military culture. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. and, and these fascist regimes were militarized regimes. And you had the, quote, militarized masculinity. And that has a strong current, but even where you don't have authoritarianism, of male bonding that can situationally shift over to other things, of adoration of the strong male form. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it's possible. It's, it, it was too um, emphatic for him to not know what the heck he was doing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's absolutely right. When we first saw this trailer, so many people, their jaws were on the floor. What is this aesthetic? <laughs> and this particular aesthetic, and I think it's fair to say it's a fascist aesthetic, is not just an aesthetic. It is kind of a cartoon of an aesthetic. And this is something you've written very well about. Why don't you give us a little bit of the history of fascism as an aesthetic. Yeah, so one of the cores of it is the male who is strong, who is armed. And that's partly what I saw in The End of Man with the men swinging the hammers, who is capable Mm -hmm. and who is a warrior. The aesthetic of fascism is a warrior aesthetic Mm -hmm. in terms of the male part. The other part that it, this it wasn't in Tucker Carlson's thing, but it was very much part of the Trump era. Is the uh, leader in the crowd, the the personality cult? That's highly important. And Trump, Trump did such an, a, a stupendous job of creating a classic personality cult. And the reason I'm saying stupendous is that he did it in an open society <laughs> with a very free media environment. Uh, lots of choices, and he still managed to construct such a durable and powerful personality cult where he dominates the masses that it's going on after he left. Like, he's been out of office forever. Now, it's true the big lie it allowed psychologically his followers to not have to reckon with his defeat, yeah. so he didn't have to be a loser. He's still a winner. But his personality cult lives on. And I remember when he lost the election, people were saying to me, oh, well you know, that's the end of his personality cult. And I was like, no, it's not. Is it that good luck? It's like they, they go on. Like Berlusconi's was going on for years after he wasn't in power. Yeah. So that's part of it. The man who dominates the masses, the man who saves the nation, that's also very much part of fascist aesthetic. Yeah. And what about the, I don't know, what about the hairlessness? Like these guys, they look like they've spent a lot of time in the tanning, tanning booth and getting waxed. I mean, is that the Berlusconi aesthetic? Yeah, you know, it was very um, interesting that happened when Berlusconi first came in. He, for Berlusconi is really important because he brought neo-fascists into the government for the first time since fascism. Right, since Mussolini. And what he did uh, is, well, he was a businessman. He was very well-dressed. He was very conventional-looking, always smiling. But the neo-fascist leader, Gianfranco Fini, came into the government and he cleaned himself up. And he told his followers, stop doing, stop shaving your heads. You know, don't be skinheads, basically. Mm-hmm. And stop giving salutes. And this Feeney, um, I was living in Rome at the time and I saw him and he wore aviator frames and business suits. And the same thing was going on with Jörg Haider in Austria. He started wearing business suits. So they cleaned themselves up 
And that's, in a way, more dangerous. They were preparing to normalize extremism. There's some kind of, yeah, boots to suits with something like a transition in the U.S. of skinheads. It's a strategy. And then the other thing is that we know that authoritarians uh, who succeed always have the backing of conservative elites. This is an, unfortunately a, a, an ideal pairing. And you can't really get the backing of, you know, conservative CEOs and stuff if you go around looking like a hairy, smelly bear. Right. Got it. Yeah. It's much better to look like uh, Ron DeSantis or whoever you're, you're Tucker Carlson. Yeah. And Tucker Carlson's his secret is he looks preppy. And so he looks like a fresh-faced, um, the fresh-faced extremist hmm. who walks among country clubs and doesn't look the part. That is the same. I see that because I lived through it with the Italian fascists yeah. to clean their act up. Oof. So um, I remember that from the books about Trump's last days in office, that one of the things he kept muttering about was what a bad opponent Joe Biden was. He just thought there was no way that he could lose to this guy. And I think he had enormous respect and said he did for Hillary as a candidate and a fighter. I mean, he actually said that many times. He found her very formidable and partly was so cruel to her for that reason. But Biden, he didn't take very seriously and, of course, kept emphasizing that he'd only campaigned from his basement and that he was weak and grandfatherly. And, you know, we were a grieving country, and I kept thinking he's a grieving man, and that there was a certain comfort that his brokenness and his vulnerability made him connect better with people. And it was a whole different idea from, you know, from what Trump has. He leans on his vice president for liveliness. He takes ideas from other people. He listens to the squad, all the things that that, um, Trump didn't do. The person in power right now has a very different kind of masculinity. So what do you think about Biden as a as a type? Yeah, we're we're I mean, I agree with your analysis. We're a little too close to it and we're traumatized. Um, and we are actually we are not realizing that Trump not only hammered away at us for four years with disinformation, he's one of the most important propagandists of the 21st century. I know that some people are like, what are you talking about? But he's highly effective. And what he was doing is not just feeding us false information. He was emotionally retraining Americans to consider any kind of um, humanitarianism or empathy as weakness. And, and Tucker Carlson's, you know, he-man thing goes into that. But Biden represents a whole other different masculinity, a masculinity who's not afraid to grieve, who's not afraid to put a smart woman like his wife first sometimes, who's secure enough, who is open about his emotions and open about his failings. And this is a much more mature, realized masculinity, not only mature because of age, but a secure masculinity. It seems like it, doesn't it? But I don't think people are aware how much of an effect Trump's retraining of emotions were. Mm. I mean, I actually have a master file of all the times since 2015 he preached violence. And what he would do is say, in the old days, we used to rough up people and it was good. Now we're weak. And he said this over and over and over again during the campaign. And then if you remember that, terrifying um, is a song lyrics about a snake 
that he kept reciting. And it wasn't original to him. But the gist of it was that a woman found a snake who was sick. And she took the snake in as an act of solidarity, empathy. And the snake bit her. And then the snake says, you knew I was a snake. You know, you woman, you're a fool. You knew I was a snake when you took me in because she'd taken him into her house. Got it. Trump recited that thing maybe 20 times at rallies. So we have had such a a hammering of um, trying to make the perfect authoritarian subject and man Mm -hmm. that I think it's been subliminal. And it's partly why we have all the polarization and hatred and people screaming at each other and wanting to kill each other and threats to Congress people. Trump did a number on Americans. We're going to take another break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about another kind of strong man, or rather a man who is strong, the perfect foil for Trump and Putin and Berlusconi and a sorely needed model of a more hopeful kind of masculinity. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time because messes happen because hey listen remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation and you were like i'm serious if that leaks over the counter it'll be a slimy abomination by the time i get back and i was like yeah 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 of course don't worry about it i won't forget (laughs) well oh yeah that happens so start clean with clorox use clorox products as directed rinse after use if in contact with food service Saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Welcome back to This is Critical. So I want to leave with a somewhat hopeful figure, Volodymyr Zelensky. Mm, I'm glad you asked me about him. Yeah. Zelensky is really a whole new, I think, something new. Um, I, I watched the videos from him obsessively, and he's he's not just issuing propaganda, although he, he is, but he seems to be building an argument over time um, under extraordinary circumstances. What, so what do you think of Zelensky? He, it's like life is so interesting as is history and politics because if we just stick to what we've been talking about, masculinity and fears of aging leaders like Putin, if you wanted to construct a better nemesis, it'd be hard to find one better than Zelensky, yeah. who is an actor. So he knows how to use his body. He was a dancer. He is unafraid. Um, He's got a courage, which is a physical courage Mm -hmm. that comes from being a performer, like a physical performer. And so Putin really did think he would just leave. And instead, not only didn't leave, he now dresses in military fatigues. And he uses compassion. So he's the man who is able to be compassionate and sensitive And yet he's a warrior. So Putin must be apoplectic that he has created 
this democratic hero. And we really need democratic heroes. And Zelensky has been catapulted through his own qualities. And he's exactly what we need right now. So he has um, some of his TV writers are writing for him and his writer, his writers from TV uh, and comedy are really good. I think comedy is another part of this. I mean, there's a certain aggression. There's all kinds of things you can accomplish through humor. One thing I think most of your strong men have in common, maybe Berlusconi could be a little bit funny, but, you know, Putin is not funny. You know, Trump was not funny in the sense of real cleverness. No, but they're entertaining. They're entertaining. And actually, all of them have this almost, I, I actually can't think of a single strongman who doesn't have, they have a crude sense of humor. Mm. And Putin's known for that. They're called Putinisms, like these crude j- jokes and things that are like daring to say, just like Trump or, you know, non-politically correct things that people find funny. Mm-hmm. But it's a very bleak, sardonic kind of humor. Yeah. And um, it's part of their meanness and their bullying, actually. And you know who has it? Tucker Carlson has that bullying. And so a little bit, so does Ron DeSantis. Interesting. I mean, but Zelensky, like, you actually feel like laughing. And one of the ways that, I mean, they always say Trump never laughs. Um, It's hard to think of Putin completely laughing. And for... Zelensky, speaking of masculinity, to be laughing and have like have room for jokes. And that gives him an enormous amount of room because you think, well, if he can laugh at this while Putin is losing generals and they can't even take out the comedians, that seems very impressive. I mean, there's a reason that we, that those videos are so captivating. Yeah, I agree. And it shows enormous strength. It shows humanity. And it's very important for people's spirits. And there's a whole, um, I have this stuff in my book about humor as a tool of resistance. Ah. But to be able to do that when you yourself are in charge and you also are having assassination attempts against you all the time, is he, he's just, it's very inspiring. He's somebody who has been able to rise to the occasion and be this fully developed human and be an effective leader. Um, it's, it's quite extraordinary. Well, that's a great note to leave on because uh, it is nice to think that there's something new will be born. And sometimes that thing is Donald Trump and other times maybe it is Zelensky. Thanks again for being here, Ruth. Sure, it was a pleasure. That's it for this week's episode of This is Critical. Make sure you don't miss next week's episode by following us or subscribing. Smash the subscribe button on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or wherever you like to listen. And if you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people learn about the show. For more information and to keep tabs on us, follow me on Twitter at page 88 and at this critical pod. If you've got a question or a cultural creed you think deserves another look, send us an email at thisiscriticalpod at gmail.com. This is Critical is made by me, Virginia Heffernan, and Stitcher. Ella Fetter and Michelle O'Brien are the producers. Tracy Samuelson is our editor. Brendan Burns mixed this episode and composed our original theme. And Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. Thanks for listening and stay critical. Stay critical.
Ditcher. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Saving money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big. 